I feel that it's very important to have goals that motivate you and drive you and light a fire inside of you. And so I've you know, I've done a lot of big city races. I've done a ton of U.S. championships. And this is what really sparked something inside of me. Women's running. running, running. Women's running stories. My name is Neely Spence Gracie, and I'm an elite runner, a mom of two boys, Athens, who's five, and Rome is two. And I have my own business, Get Running Coaching, and I live and train in the Boulder, Colorado area. Yes, in this episode, we are featuring professional runner Neely Spence Gracie. And we're going to get into what is motivating Neely these days and how her motivations have changed as she has entered a new phase of her running career. And that is a phase where she is also a mom. So this is also a story about going through pregnancy and the journey that Neely's been on to return to elite level racing. And I can tell you that it has been full of many ups and downs. You are going to hear all about it in this episode, but before we hear more from Neely, I want to welcome you to Women's Running Stories. This is the podcast where we do share stories told by women about their experiences in the running world. I am Cherie Louise Turner. I am your host and producer, and thank you so much for being here. So yeah, we are featuring Neely in this episode. And right up top here, I want to thank the people at Jambar for introducing me to Neely. Jambar is one of Neely's sponsors, and they got in touch with me because, well, Neely had a really big event that you're going to hear about in this episode. And that was the original focus of this story, but it became so much more. But I wanted to thank Jambar right up top here. And you will also remember that we recently featured Jennifer Maxwell, who is the founder owner of Jambar. And she, along with her late husband, Brian Maxwell, were the founders of Power Bar, the original energy bar. And if you haven't heard that episode, I will link to it in the show notes. And it's, it's a good one. Jennifer is a pioneer in the greater running athlete space, and I was just, I was really happy to tell her story because I was a big Power Bar user back when because not only did I really like the chocolate-flavored Power Bars, but they were the only thing out there for energy bars because they created that market. Before Power Bars, there were no energy bars. I mean, it's really kind of wild to think about now because the shelves are just stocked with tons of energy bars. But anyways, I digress. Uh, Now there are jam bars, and Jennifer is making those, and Neely is sponsored by Jam Bar, so thanks again to them. Now moving on, Neely is not only a professional racer with sponsors, but she is also an author. She, with her co-writer Cindy Kuzma, wrote the book Breakthrough Women's Running, Dream Big, Train Smart, And a little shout out to Cindy Kuzma, who is not only a writer and author, but she is also part of the team behind the fantastic podcast Starting Line 1928, 
They are a great one. They share oral histories of groundbreaking women in the running space. And yeah, just go ahead and give them a listen. So Neely is also an author and she is a coach, as she mentioned. She is indeed also now the mother of two young boys, her oldest son, Athens, her younger son, Rome. You will hear her talk about them because so much of this story is about her becoming a mom And the other thing you're going to hear Neely mention in here is that she did debut in the marathon at the Boston Marathon in 2016 and that she had great success. Indeed, that year she was the top American finisher and came in ninth overall. She bettered her time later that year at the New York City Marathon in November where she placed eighth. To say that these were some successful first outings in the marathon is a bit of an understatement. It was a phenomenal showing. In here, you're also going to hear Neely mention CIM, and that just stands for the California International Marathon. It happens every year in the Sacramento area of California in December. This course is known for being very fast, and it is where a lot of people qualify for the Olympic Trials Marathon. And on the note of the Olympic Trials Marathon, athletes do need to qualify. The qualifying standards are quite stiff, and they have become more difficult over the years. For the 2020 Olympic Trials, women runners had to have run a two-hour, 45-minute marathon or better in order to get in. For this next round, for the 2024 Olympic Trials, athletes have to meet the standard of two hours and 37 minutes. One last thing to know here before Neely takes over is that she has been a runner for a really long time. Notably, her father was an internationally competitive marathoner in his day, so it's something she's been around her whole life. But as you're about to hear, in addition to her running life, Neely had her sights set on some other priorities as well. Here to tell the story is Neely Spence Gracie. Yeah, so, you know, I always knew I wanted kids. Uh, My husband and I, when we got married in 2012, we were like, all right, we're going to be in that post-Olympic year baby boom after 2016. And that was kind of like our goal. But then 2016 was going so well. I had just signed a contract with Adidas. Um, We had moved to Colorado. We just bought our first house. You know, there were just so many really good things going. And I had debuted at the Boston Marathon and it went quite well. And so I was super excited for New York. And so, you know, it was just one of those that it was like, eh, now's not the right time. We we have, you know, we'll we'll revisit this discussion. And so I the spring of 2017, following that, you know, breakout uh year with the Boston and New York. Um, marathons, I decided I was going to work on uh, more shorter distances and try and win a national title. Um, And so that had been one of my goals uh, for a while. And I ended up getting second at two uh, U.S. championships and third at one. So I fell a little bit short that spring. And I've been second seven times at U.S. championships. So it's just been very elusive. And so I was really, you know, I I tried to go all in and hit all the races and gave myself the best shot, but had a very successful 
you know, very consistent, uh, you know, showings at events and, you know, was feeling pretty good. I had gotten to race a lot more because when you're in marathon training, you know, it's a lot harder to do a ton of races. So I think I did like nine races in the spring or something of 2017. Um, and I was just racing a lot more often. And then that summer, I kind of started to get like this weird little foot thing. And I just couldn't shake it. Um, and I took a little, you know, time off here or there. And ultimately, I just needed like a month off. And so I kind of scrapped my fall racing plans, took a month off. And then during that time, we revisited the conversation. Um, and that's when we were like, ah, you know, we're just going to give this a, a go. We'll try for a couple months. And if we don't get pregnant, I'll run Boston in the spring. And we end up getting pregnant pretty quickly. And so that was kind of the, the transition um, from elite running into a whole new realm um, where I always known this was a hat I wanted to wear. Um, and I was very excited about this next step in our life. But it was hard. It was a very big transition going from elite athlete to pregnant. So yeah, I, I didn't have a plan per se. I, I just thought like, okay, you know, I'm a runner. I'm going to run during pregnancy. I probably won't race, you know, that sort of thing. When I look back, I feel like I was very naive to all of that. And I think the thing was, I thought it was in my control and it really wasn't. But I had followed other mother runners careers, you know, Kara Goucher, Stephanie Bruce, Alicia Montano, Paula Radcliffe. And I was like, it's clearly possible. So um, if they can do it, why can't I do it? But, you know, I didn't realize how hard pregnancy running can be. I had a lot of SI joint pain. And so I ended up stopping running at 18 weeks with Athens. And so that was like really hard because I didn't realize how much of like an, a stress outlet running was for me. Um, and so then I went six months where I didn't run and I've never not run for that amount of time. Um, so it was, it was just like totally different. Um, and I had to kind of find myself and find a new routine. Um, there was like this identity crisis I went through a bit, um, kind of navigating like who I am in, you know, this different phase of my life. And I just had a ton of fatigue with him as well. And so it was kind of like if I you know, exercised really that much at all, I would be like down and out for a couple of days. And so I really just had to keep things low key. Um, so I remember like I, that summer I did like some just swimming or um, like paddle boarding, you know, things that were just like really low heart rate <laughs> um, because I like tried to do a hike and then I like, was so exhausted um, for three days. And uh, that was just like, you know, a few miles, like two hours or whatever. And it was just too much. So it was just kind of learning what my body needed, um, listening to it, and then, you know, respecting um, what, what was and wasn't working at the time.
throughout my pregnancy and my postpartum time. I was still sponsored. Um, Adidas continued to work with me and I had high hopes to get back to racing. Um, I had watched Gwen Jorgensen run a 5K PR five months after giving birth to Stanley. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is so exciting. Like I I can't wait to get back to it because I've missed it so much. But my body was in such a different place. And then having taken six months off, you know, I really had to start at the beginning. And so I, I feel like I was relatively patient for the first like six months or so. But then after that, my brain was like, I'm so excited. Like, let's go do this. Uh, and my body was like, hold up. We're not there yet. We're not quite ready. And that's when I started to have a series of injuries um, that ultimately ended with a femoral neck fracture. So, you know, I I fell into that category um, of postpartum moms who get bone injuries. And, you know, then it was another period of rebuilding. And so it was tough. It was challenging. Um, It wasn't what I thought it would be. I definitely expected that I would just be like the mom that you know, was the pro runner. And then she only like had the the baby belly, but everything else like stayed normal because she could run and she ran every day. And that was not me at all. <laughs> so I had my fem- femoral fracture in the spring of 2019, um, right before Athens turned one. And then I started running late summer, into the fall and was just kind of like, I just want to get back into being able to consistently get out the door. Like that was my main goal. I wasn't even thinking about racing or anything like that. And then in November I had, I like remember the run. I remember what I was wearing, everything. And it was just like that fire ignited inside of me again. That was like, you want to race and you set this goal before you had your son that you wanted to qualify for the Olympic trials and time is ticking. Like you have until January. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to go for it. And so I had a six week buildup leading into the Houston marathon, which was the last day to qualify um, for the 2020 Olympic trials. And I ran 2:44, and the qualifying time was 2.45. So I was able to to meet that goal. But unfortunately, my body was like, you're not doing two marathons in, a, in six weeks. So I, I wasn't, I was not able to recover and complete the, the marathon at the trials. And so I, but I, I went into it being like, my goal was to qualify. Like that was what I set out to do for myself. And I proved to myself that I can still set goals and I can still achieve them. And I loved racing again. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to take this year. I'm just going to really rebuild um, and redevelop that base that I haven't had for the last two years from, you know, being pregnant and everything. And then, you know, the pandemic hit and there were no races. And I was like, well, honestly, this might be the best thing for me because there's no distractions. I still get to just put in the work, um, put in that base that I, you know, set out to do anyways. Um, so I got really strong that summer. And then the fall of 2020, I found out that I was pregnant with our second. And while I didn't get to race, I had put forth some really strong workouts, long runs, you know, big mileage weeks. And I knew like, okay, 
I, I'm ready and I can handle, you know, big training again. And so when the time's right for me, I'm going to be able to get back to that elite level that I, you know, wasn't sure was still in me. Uh, so I was able to prove that to myself and that was really important. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. Before I had kids, it was kind of like, okay, you know, if I take care of myself, if I'm getting regular massages, if I'm doing my strength training, if I'm focused on all the details, like my body's going to work with me. It's going to, you know, be in a a happy place. But I felt like with pregnancy, like there were, it was, I could do everything right and I would feel absolutely horrible. Um, Or like I could do everything wrong and it wouldn't make sense and I would be fine. Um, And so there were just so many things that I think it just depended. Like, you know, was he growing a lot that week and that was taking a lot of energy from me? Or like what was his position because that would put more stress on my back or on my pelvic floor or whatever. And that was just like a day-to-day thing. Like I didn't know that at the time. And so I felt like, you know, postpartum was kind of similar where I was like, okay, I just go back to doing, you know, all these things that I know help, help me feel strong as a runner. And it was different, you know, because there's, there was a, another person that was in the mix and my body was like going through, had just gone through like a very traumatic experience of, you know, growing and delivering a child as well as breastfeeding and everything. And while it's amazing, it's also very hard and stressful on your entire system. So I, th- I think that I didn't give it um, as much appreciation uh, and respect as I should have. And then I didn't realize that I needed to adjust my approach to training that I couldn't just do the same thing that I had done before having kids and just have a kid in tow, um, that things had to look differently. Uh, and so it just took a little bit of trial and error for me to figure out, you know, I think I started realizing that I could recover from one workout a week instead of two workouts a week, that two big workouts was just too much stress on my body um, with not getting, you know, full night's rest, not having as much downtime during the day. I found that I needed to fuel during runs a lot more. Before I had kids, I could go out and do a 16 mile long run, you know, not taking any fuel, maybe a sip of water here or there. And not that it was 
you know, what I should have been doing, but I could do it and I could get through successfully. And postpartum, I realized, wow, I cannot do this. Like I need to be eating before, during, after. I need to be taking in a lot more fluids than I have, you know, than I did in the past. And so that was like a big transition for me was learning, hey, I have to take significantly better care of my body um, when it comes to fueling and hydration because my ability to recover has been diminished. And so I have to kickstart that by being ahead of the game um, instead of depleting myself during runs and then trying to make up for it later. Going into her second pregnancy, Neely utilized the lessons that she'd learned the first time around. My pregnancy was very different. I ended up running every day of my pregnancy with Rome. And I think it was kind of twofold. One, my body was less stressed. It, it you know, knew what to do. It had, you know, recently been there. Uh, I had more confidence in my body. Um, and so I just, I had more energy and I was a lot less anxious. The The second part is... I think I just, I was able to drop all expectations and I was like, I just want to be able to run, um, whatever it looks like. If it's run, walk, if I'm running, you know, way slower than what I usually do, it's fine. I don't mind. I just want to be able to get out the door daily and get in a mile. Um, and so that was my goal was to run one mile a day. And so, you know, I started off running like 60, 70 miles a week um, because I was coming off of running 90 miles a week. So (laughs) that was a nice drop. But then I just slowly, you know, decreased my volume as my body needed it. And by the end, I was running one to two miles a day, taking walk breaks as needed. You know, I went from running typically, you know, seven-ish minute pace per mile to like nine or 10 minute pace per mile. Um, And I was just very, very okay with how it looked and how it was different. And then if things didn't feel good after a mile, I would just walk home and, you know, it still was a success. I never set myself up for failure. And so I had a very good delivery with him. I recovered quickly with him. And so I started run walking at six weeks postpartum after seeing my pelvic floor therapist and getting cleared uh, for that. And so I, um, you know, started my run walk. And again, I was super calm, super cautious, super patient that first six months. I did strides for the first time when Rome was seven months old. And I had worked up to 12 miles at that point for my longer run. But I did a lot of, you know, easy, controlled miles um, and just enjoyed myself. Just enjoyed that, you know, little moment where I felt, you know, just like me again. Um, And I could get, you know, some, some alone time. And then I started doing workouts when he was eight months old. And um, I ran my first race postpartum when he was 11 months old. And that was the Boulder Boulder 10K. And I ended up finishing second. 
and like super surprised myself um, with my performance there. And I think I smiled like the entire time because I was just so happy to be racing again and it felt good. And like I asked my body to work with me and it did work with me. And it was just such a personal victory after how my body felt post-Athens. So that was really special. And then I did a couple other like small races that summer and then took a break and started my CIM buildup in August of last year. And, you know, again, had just kind of utilized what I had learned with, you know, needing more recovery, needing to fuel and hydrate any runs that were kind of over like an hour. And, you know, my body worked with me and I went into that buildup with a goal of qualifying for the trials, which had, you know, the time had been changed to 2.37 from 2.45 um, back in 2020. So I knew that it was already going to be like a tougher endeavor, but I felt that 2.37 was within realm. And it honestly wasn't even until maybe within the month going into CIM that I was like, I actually think I might be able to run a PR. And Dylan, who's my husband, he's also my coach. He's like, really? You were still thinking you were just going to try and qualify? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I was. I was was just thinking I was going to try and qualify. And he was like, oh, well, I think that the workouts that you've been doing definitely show that like you are, you know, in at least PR shape and, you know, can far surpass the, the goal of just qualifying. And I was like, oh, well, that's good. Like, I'm glad you have confidence in me, but like, that's still my main focus. You know, that's still my main drive at the moment. And so the night before, or the morning of CIM, Dylan and I woke up and the kids were both sleeping and I had my coffee and we're sitting there and he's like, you know, I think you're going to run 2.30. And I was like, that sounds really stressful to me right now. Like, I, I just need to show up and like do what I need to do today. He's like, I just want you to know that I have the confidence in you that you can do that. And I was like, all right, I appreciate that. He's like, but I think the best thing you could do is not look at your watch. And I was like, that's probably true. He's like, I think you're going to hold yourself back if you look at your watch. And I was like, I'll think about it. So I went, I got on the bus to the start line and I thought about it. And I started the race and I looked at my watch at mile one. I looked at my watch at mile two and I was like, he's right. I need to stop looking at my watch. And I didn't look at my watch a single time until after I crossed the finish line. I really like to ease into races. Um, I love a negative split approach. And I think that, you know, I didn't have a ton of confidence that, I could actually hold 545s. So I was kind of like, well, maybe I'll just start at pace, which is like 558 um, was, you know, the the qualifier pace. So I was like, maybe I'll just like try and run 558s for a while and then pick it up the second half or whatever. But sure enough, I saw 540 something that first mile. And so I was like, no, this is where I need to be. And then I think I was like 550 for the second mile. And then I started to like 
you know, oh my gosh, like how did that feel in comparison to the first mile? But there's like a little uphill and all the stuff. Um, and I was like, now I'm just overthinking it. I'm wasting so much energy. So I know where I need to be. I know what it feels like. I just need to lock in to my rhythm and let my body do what it's trained to do and trust that like I know the effort that I can put forth. So once I was able to do that, I, you know, just found the people that I needed to run with and I locked in with them and we ran together until just after 20 miles. So I knew that I was kind of faltering pace a little bit towards the end, but I was also in this battle with 10th place. So that's really what kept me going was like, okay, now it's just all about competing. Um, And so at one point I dropped to 11th and then I moved back to 10th. And then I, at the very end in the last mile, moved up to 9th. So it was kind of fun to be able to really just compete and recognize that like those girls were feeling (laughs) the fatigue in their legs as well. And we were all just, you know, gritting it out to do our best to get to the finish line. And so it, it worked out exactly how I, how I needed it to, but now I'm kind of a believer in, (laughs) Hey, don't, don't let, you know, splits control your race. It's a lot better to just show up and, and run. And if you, if you run and, and you compete and, you know, you trust that you've done enough training to know the effort that you're supposed to be putting forth, like you're actually going to have a stronger and better result because you didn't overanalyze every single mile split as it came through. Yes, indeed. Neely finished an incredible ninth place with a time of two hours, 30 minutes, and 29 seconds. She not only qualified for the 2024 Olympic trials, she also bettered her PR time by over four minutes. Neely had run her previous PR at that New York City Marathon back in 2016. And it's also worth noting here that CIM in 2022 also served as the U.S. National Championships for the Marathon Distance. Suffice to say, it was a fantastic showing for Neely. After that, she was open to shaking things up a little bit on her race calendar. As a professional runner and now a mother of two young children, her motivations appeared to be shifting a little. So I ran the Disney Princess Marathon or Half Marathon Weekend uh, in February. My in-laws winter in the Orlando area, so I, uh, whenever I had the opportunity to get in to the Disney race uh, weekend, I was like, oh my gosh, this will be so perfect. And it was my first race after CIM. So I'd taken kind of the month of December off, you know, had kind of started working back in January, um, had done a couple workouts, but, you know, it was kind of like my rust buster for the spring racing season. And so I was like, that's a perfect one, like to have it be fun. Um, Colorado is very challenging in the winter. So it was like, oh, we get out of Colorado. We get to go somewhere warm. And so, you know, there were just a lot of perks to doing the, the Disney race. And, you know, I'll be honest, like I've coached athletes who have done Disney races um, many times, but I never had this like super strong desire. Um, 
it's, you know, they're not really known for having like professionals or elite runners there. Um, and so it, it had never really been floated to me before um, because it was always like, you know, your an agent would tell you what races, you know, were on the docket for the year or, you know, you had to compete in certain races per your contract for your brand or whatever. And so I was kind of over that. And I was like, I want to do fun stuff. I want to do stuff that's different um, than I've done before because I have the freedom and I have the ability to do that. And for me, I want running to be fun and that to be the forefront. And so I signed up for the Disney uh, Princess 10K and Half Marathon. And I like got little costumes that I ordered that like matched the princess that was on the medal for that, for those races. And I had so much fun. And <laughs> it was just like this perfect blend of, wow, this is like a blast. And there are thousands of people out here just like enjoying running. And this is like everything I've ever dreamed of. But it was also highly organized. And I really appreciate like a very well organized and orchestrated race environment. So yeah, it was like kind of the the best of both worlds there. So I ran 34 minutes in the 10k and I ended up third overall top female. And I ran my first ever race in a tutu, which was such a blast. I was dressed up as um, Belle from Beauty and the Beast. And then the next morning, I ran the half marathon and ran 115 there. And I ended up winning overall. And so I beat the the top male in like the final home stretch uh, of the race. And it was just, it was so fun to compete I wasn't, you know, focused on my splits or focused on my time as much as I was just like excited to kind of see what I could do in those final couple miles because there were two men ahead of me um, when I was at mile nine. So I was like, well, I'll just see if I can reel them in at all. And so I was able to pick up the pace and I caught the first one. And then I didn't think that I had a chance to catch the second one until literally the final mile. And I ended up running like a 515 for the last mile. Um, And yeah, just caught him right at the end. And he was super gracious and he was very kind. And it was, uh, you know, a really spectacular finish with confetti and, you know, everyone was very excited, but I had no idea the buzz that it would actually create because, you know, I've run 109 in the half marathon and, you know, no one except for me and my sponsor cared. Um, And so it was really cool to see like, oh, wow, you know, this was a really big deal um, because this is like, a very large race. You know, there were 20,000 people that ran and I crossed the finish line first. And so it just really opened my eyes to the the ability to have a lot of fun while racing, but also be highly competitive and also have a, you know, platform that can help inspire others. Now, certainly, while the Disney events were not what you'd normally find in a professional runner's schedule, what came next was way off script. But like Neely said up top, 
She feels like you need to have goals that motivate you, that light a fire in you. And an opportunity that presented itself did indeed spark something in Neely. Yeah. So the stroller mile, you know, it first sparked like a year ago whenever Ruben Sinka broke the men's stroller mile record and Runner's World did an article on him. And I was just like, huh, I wonder what the women's stroller mile record is. And I looked it up and it was 609 at the time. Um, And that's when I said, I think I've already done that. Um, just pushing my kids around. So anyways, I kind of thought about it and I was like, I don't know, this, this goal, like the idea isn't leaving. So it must be something that's like sparking an interest. And I, I looked into it. I applied on the Guinness website and I got approved. And then I was like, okay, well, I did the first step. We'll see what happens. And then it was just you know, kind of simultaneously, I got an email from Guava family and they were like, hey, we have like a mutual connection from the rock and roll races. And we heard that you had a baby and we just wanted to like send you a stroller. And I was like, oh, okay. I'd I'd love to try your stroller. That sounds great. So they sent it over and I didn't say anything about the record you know, application or anything. Um, I was like, I have to see if I like the stroller. So I gave it a try. And I was like, Oh, I actually I really like this stroller. Like, this is this is great. Um, So I reached out to them. And I was like, I know you just like wanted to give me a stroller and like me to post about it on Instagram if I liked it. But like, I have this other idea. And so I told them about how I wanted to break the the world record in the mile. And they were like, oh my gosh, no way. Like, we've got to do this. This is awesome. And so they were really instrumental in like helping me organize and set everything up. So we had a bunch of meetings throughout the winter, um, just kind of prepping everything. You know, Guinness sent me like a 35-page PDF of like all of the things that you have to, you know, have and, you know, to prove and validate your record and all of this. So we just had to make sure that all the boxes were, were checked at the end. And so during that time, someone else broke the record and it went down to 557. Um, And I was like, okay, still very doable. And I put the date on the calendar for June 30th. Um, A friend of ours from college was hosting uh, a track meet that day in Denver. And so he said that he would um, create my own event so that I could run the stroller mile. They have, you know, all of the official timing systems. It had to be at a public venue. There had to be spectators. You know, there are just all these things that we had to check off. So I had everything organized for that. And so it was just kind of like, okay, this is going to be like my last race of the spring training cycle. And I ran the the Disney races in February. I ran the Pittsburgh half marathon in May. I ran the Boulder, Boulder 10K in May. Um, And then I ran the Steamboat half marathon in June. And then I was going to finish up with this, uh, the stroller record attempt. And so between the beginning of June, when I ran the half to the end of June, when I ran the stroller, 
I went to the track and did some workouts on the track just so that I could learn how the stroller moves on the track because it's very different. Like when I'm pushing my kids in the stroller, I'm running them on gravel trails, on the sidewalks, on the bike paths. You know, I don't just go to the track and run circles. (laughs) Um, And so and then I'm also not running at like a really fast pace with turns and all of these things. So I um, just kind of spent some time getting really used to what that felt like. And I did 200s and 400s with the stroller. And then I did a mile time trial and I ran 545 for the mile time trial. And I was like, okay, you know, I know that I can, I know that I can get the record. And now my emphasis is just on making sure that we have everything that Guinness needs to verify. So Yeah. So that was just the goal on June 30th itself was like, okay, I'm going to, I just want to have to show up and run. Um, And Guava kind of took over um, making sure that like all those boxes were checked. Um, So they helped me get the signatures that we needed. They helped me with photographers and videographers and multiple cameras with different angles and you know, there were just lots of lots of little things that you had to, you know, have set up and in place. And so it was helpful for me because on game day, I just showed up and ran. <laughs> I didn't have to think about all those things. And on June 30th of this year, 2023, Neely did show up and run, and she set a new world record in the stroller mile. She lowered the time from 5 minutes and 57 seconds to 5 minutes and 24 seconds while pushing her youngest child, Rome. I didn't realize that I would get emotional afterwards. I I don't really experience that with running a ton anymore because, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. Not a lot surprises me. (laughs) Um, You know, I usually have a pretty good idea of what I'm capable of doing. Um, But CIM, of course, that one felt pretty special. And definitely, I felt some emotions um, at the at the finish line there. And the stroller mile was very similar. You know, it just was very special to combine my two worlds as a mom and as a competitive athlete. And, you know, to get to share in this with um, my littlest guy was just, it was like a closure to the baby years that I didn't know I needed. You know, I stopped nursing him the week after that. um, And that was just kind of like, okay, you know, we've spent hours and hours and hours together, me running and him in the stroller. And so it just felt like very us uh, to get to do that and to get to do it in, you know, such a special environment and with like a lot of meaning behind it. That part of Neely's story always gets me a little emotional. What a beautiful end to an incredible journey And I want to thank Neely so much for sharing all of the ups, but also all the downs that she has gone through to become a mother and also pursue her professional running career. This is not an easy task in the best of circumstances and even best laid plans. I mean, you're going to meet some bumps in the road. And 
Not to equate them at all, but I can say as someone who has gone through and is probably still going through perimenopause, that unpredictability that hormones create when you are going through big transitions like adolescence or pregnancy or perimenopause, I mean, it can really throw you for a loop. That part where Neely talked about doing all the right things and still feeling crummy or doing not all the right things and everything turning out just fine and feeling fine, oh boy, did I relate to that. And you know, sometimes we just have to get through it, we have to adjust, And like Neely said, now her training and running looks really different. So yeah, thank you, Neely Spence Gracie, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. And of course, I wish Neely all the best in her upcoming pursuits, including the 2024 Olympic Trials Marathon, which will be taking place next February in Orlando, Florida. And we will certainly be following along. And you can follow along too. Of course, I will link to all the ways that you can keep up with Neely Spence Gracie. And I also recommend her book. So you're going to find links to all of those things. And I will also link to Jambar as well as our episode about Jennifer Maxwell. And you know, one other thing that Neely's story reminded me of here is just the importance of having fun. And we heard something similar in Megan Christian's story about the really unconventional way that she came to her marathon PR, which, by the way, also happened at CIM last year, the very same race that Neely PR'd in. Megan Christian finished about 30 seconds ahead of Neely. So they both have these incredible stories coming out of last year's CIM. So I will link to Megan Christian's story too. It's super fun. She ran three marathons back to back. And well, anyway, I'll let you listen to the story. It's really incredible. And yeah, both of them just reminders about having fun in this sport and you know, still being able to be competitive and going after big goals or not, whatever you want to do. But At the root of it, having a lot of fun. And with that, I am going to wish you a lot of fun in your running pursuits. Thank you once again for being here. I really appreciate you listening to these stories, and I appreciate you sharing them. I would really love if you shared this episode or the podcast as a whole with somebody who you know would enjoy stories like this. And... I want to let you know that this podcast is a proud member of the Evergreen Network of Podcasts, and I also want to let you know that I do not make these episodes by myself. Cormac O'Regan does all the original music for women's running stories, and he has for every single episode since we started. And he makes that music in his studio here in Cork, Ireland, I am Cherie Louise Turner. I am your host and producer, and I am coming to you from my home closet studio, also in Cork, Ireland. And until next week, I do wish you healthy, joyful strides forward. Women's running, running, running. Running stories. There is no hood like parenthood. 
When you meet a fellow parent, you just kind of get each other on a whole nother level. Hi, I'm Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm a former CNN journalist, mom of three, including twins, and host of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast. I interview change makers on their life lessons, legacy, and superpower of intuition, aka their mom sense and dad sense. I've had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Episodes release every Thursday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Join my tribe at thatstotalmomsense.com and follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you.